0: I'm
1: Jenna and I'm Mark. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Jenna, it's just you and I today. It is. It's
0: just 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 us. us. It's spooky season is ending i know i'm I'm so sad this is our last spooky season episode
1: yeah it's been funny it's been fun though like these kind of spooky creatures as we call them we're trying to break the stigma of why these animals aren't spooky at all but this this like spooky creature segment it's been fun for the last couple episodes
0: i agree i like it i think there's some of the ones that people know the least about and we can hopefully change some minds about these animals Today, I don't know, I don't think they have, as the animals we're talking about, I don't think have as much of a stigma around them as snakes or spiders. Yeah.
1: I think snakes and spiders are probably the big two that people really dislike, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, which, I mean, maybe, hopefully we
1: change people's minds, yes, but. Yes, yes. Yeah. I
0: don't think we were successful with spiders as much as snakes, according to. Comments and feedback I got. My okay. sister is still afraid of spiders. So.
1: <laughs> Maybe that just means next year we do two spider episodes. We, just, <laughs> we double up on spiders. i would <laughs>
0: all that, you guys. I was actually um, at a cabin in Brown County this past weekend, and we were trying to decide, like, who was staying with my family, who was staying in which room and whatnot. And I was in the basement room with my family. It just made the most sense for us, bed-wise and whatnot. And... We moved, uh, like, a couch a little bit to, like, make this space for my toddler. And behind the couch, there were, like, four spiders. Did your sister see them? No. No. (laughs) uh, And then I moved a pillow, and there was a pretty decent-sized wolf spider on one of the, like, bed pillows. Oh, no. And I won't lie. It, like, I was like, mmm, sleeping doesn't sound as, (laughs) like... now um but i like went and put it outside or whatever i'll and say
1: what was your solution what did you do yeah with-
0: just put it outside put them outside yeah. yeah but my went upstairs and told my family i was like you guys will probably be glad that i took the basement <laughs> bedroom because i'm not sure any of you would be sleeping tonight <laughs> i just found a wolf spider on the pillow uh the ones on the ground i just kind of left but uh the pillow one had to go it could not sleep yeah again. i wasn't yeah. gonna let that
1: happen no that's fair but like like kind of like we talked about on the spider podcast though as long as you're just putting them outside Let them be where nature is. You don't need to kill them and smash them or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I'm fine. Here I am. Here you are. Still here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, today we're going to talk about vultures. Vultures. Which we both love.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We both love vultures. Vultures are such cool animals. I'm really excited for this episode.
0: I think um, I forgot that we have black vultures in our bird show. Um, yep. But here in the African department, we take care of two different species, the Rupel's griffin vultures and the lappet face vultures. Yep. Um, and
1: then across the way, we've also got Andean condors, oh, which yeah. are in the vulture family yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we yeah. have a few different species here. So we'll probably primarily talk about our African species. But yeah. first, we'll kind of go over the reasons that we've read about or heard that people probably don't find them as lovable as we do. Yeah. Um, and go over some of those myths about vultures. Um, But they are incredible animals, so we hope you all will change your minds about them today.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, kind of those stigmas that we kind of run into as we're, like, just scouring online, seeing what people think about vultures. But also that we've come up to us by, like, friends and family members that have said stuff about... Obviously, we went through the same thing with the spiders and the snakes, but kind of like the feedback that we get on vultures as well. Jenna, the first thing that I probably hear is they're nasty. They eat dead animals like that is gross, that is disgusting. What would you say to someone who says vultures are nasty? I don't want I don't want them around me. I don't want them around my environment like they're disgusting. You know, the honest
0: truth is vultures are so important and actually keep everything much cleaner. Yes. So they have a in a really important role in our ecosystem, and that is to dispose of decaying carcasses. So animals that get hit on the side of the roads, which is actually happening more and more often these days, mm-hmm. because there's less habitat and animals are coming in contact with and more cars than ever. It seems exactly. Like,
1: yeah.
0: um, so you might see vultures on the side of the road here in the states consuming a carcass. Uh, but they have all sorts of special adaptations to help them do that. And because of it, they're actually stopping the spread of bacteria and diseases that could make us really sick. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more information that we can go into about that. Um, one of them being that they can actually uh, consume this bacteria because of really strong acid in their stomachs and their digestive systems. Um, and I've even read that they have possibly some immunity to certain bacteria. Yeah.
1: I've read that as well. Yeah.
0: But they can actually even consume like, um, anthrax and, uh, botulism, I believe like things that would be really scary to us. They are able to consume and keep from spreading. So exactly. you can think of them as like the environment's cleanup crew that help keep, or like sanitation crew, I yeah. guess, help keep everything clean.
1: I always kind of think of them as like nature's garbage men, right? Yeah. Like garbage men might not get all like the glory for their jobs and what they do, but like. I don't think any of us would be happy if garbage just piled up on our street for weeks on ends, right? Exactly. That's what the vultures are here doing for us. They're making sure that all those diseases, like you mentioned, they're not just spreading throughout the ecosystem.
0: Right. So they have a really, really important role, and we should all thank a vulture. Like, they are so important. And uh, another reason that they kind of, like, are cleaner than I think people realize is most of them have, like, very few feathers on their heads. So Mm. they're bald, um, you know, and a lot of the things that or a lot of reasons that's helpful is it can actually, any like meat or guts or different parts of the animal that they're eating that are on top of their heads can dry out in the sun and also not collect bacteria and tons of little feathers. Yeah. Um, and kind of, it just keeps them cleaner that way. But I think that's one of the reasons they also look a little bit, Less cute, yeah, for lack I was of a better say, word. that like, was one bald. that I got,
1: too, is, like, not just the fact that they're nasty because they eat dead things, but also just they're ugly. Like, people don't think they're visually appealing, which, like, personally, I vehemently disagree with yes! that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they're really gorgeous birds, and I love the coloration of the bald heads, but the bald head does kind of give people, like, a, a weird look, maybe, if you haven't seen one up close before. But like you said, like, it's making sure that any fluid or blood as they eat a carcass, it's not accumulating on their skin and just kind of drying out there. Yeah.
0: Right. It like it makes cleanup for themselves easier. Mm -hmm. They can't like, you know, wipe themselves down with the washcloth (laughs) afterwards. So um but I think if people follow along on the Instagram story and um hopefully Facebook you'll see like some close up videos and pictures of our vultures. And of course now the ones that Mark and I take care of are African species. Um so they're not the ones you're likely going to see you're not going to see them around here unless you're at a zoo. But um so they look different and they have bigger heads and um you know, different
1: features. Features, yeah. yes.
0: Um but like our lappet face are actually really colorful and mm-hmm. pretty and then the Ruples Griffin Vultures are just like cute i don't know they have like teeny tiny little white feathers all over their yeah. heads and they're just like a really i think cute look they're there. that
1: really pretty like silver color too their coloration's gorgeous i've oh, never thought yeah. about the silver i'll have to yeah. re-look at that i always like, i always think they're silver like some people call them gray but i think they've got like a silver oh, and I call them silver. So <laughs> <laughs> but yes
0: yeah, so check out some cool pictures of our vultures hopefully um well you can look them up Anytime, like on the internet, of course. But we're going to be sharing some extra pictures. Yeah, but
1: kind of along with like what you're mentioning about how the the bald head helps them cut down on diseases. It's funny because people think they're nasty because they eat rotting things. Vultures, obviously, because in order to prevent themselves from getting disease or getting anything like that, they're actually extremely clean birds, which I don't think people realize at all. Like you will see vultures preen themselves, which preening is kind of like the grooming that you'll see birds do as they. Um, kind of ruffle their, their beaks through their feathers and make sure that their feathers are all in good condition. Vultures preen really frequently, and they're very clean. Our vultures, we see them take baths. Yeah. Like, our vultures so are getting in a little water tub and bathe in the tub. Take like yeah. a bird
0: bath, just or like you might out. see a songbird do. Exactly. But it's much
1: bigger. Exactly, yeah. They're actually really clean birds, which I always think is interesting because they're trying to prevent themselves from getting any of the bacteria or diseases that are inside the carcass that they're feeding on. But another one I get is... Is, well, we just read this one. I'd actually never heard this one before. But we just read a big article about how people think that vultures are bad luck.
0: Which, I mean, I don't know where that came from. I don't know
1: where that came from, and I think that's kind of perception. I think they're good luck. And I think think different
0: cultures see them as different things. Some as, like, rebirth, and, like, I think... I shouldn't even speak to it. but I think Egyptian cultures love vultures, right? Or
1: maybe... yeah, yeah. There, there's a vulture god in the Egyptian culture. I, I'm not super well versed yeah, in it, so I don't want to talk maybe too maybe much about it. But... <laughs> but
0: I think there. But there are some where it's like bad luck, and they are like an omen. And mm. I think maybe they're associated with death. Okay, which would make sense.
1: Which would make sense, but they're associate to me at least. They're associated with death, at, like we talked about, in like a recycling kind of way, right. like the circle of life. Not necessarily like. Doom and gloom, like it's not like the vulture is actually going to be killing the animal. The vulture is just there to recycle its carcass, right? Right. Yes.
0: I mean, I can get how you'd think that's gross for you to do, but again, we should just thank the vulture. Yeah, (laughs) we don't have to do it because of the vultures.
1: Exactly. And then, kind of along those lines, one of the things that we've read was people think that when they're circling overhead. They're kind of looking for prey. They might take a pet. They might take a baby or a small child or something like that, which vultures are obviously scavengers, right? Like, do you think you would be worried about your dog being in the yard?
0: I would definitely not be worried about (laughs) a dog, especially here in the United States. Like, turkey vultures and black vultures have, like, weaker talons and they're duller and their beaks are smaller. Like, Mm -hmm. you could easily scare off or defend yourself against a vulture for sure now do they have strong beaks and, and can they sometimes break bones depending on the type of vulture that sort of thing definitely um but they are not hunters yeah um you know we will talk about a little bit later but the lappet face vultures might be the only exception um most vultures are only going to eat carrion yeah. um but I would not be worried about a vulture taking my baby or my pets. They're scavengers. (laughs) (laughs) They're not, if your
1: dog's out running around, they're not going to go after your dog or your kid who's out playing in the yard or anything. You know, like when they're circling overhead, they're not looking for something to catch and eat, they're looking for a a dead carcass some roadkill that's what they're looking for they're not looking for your dog in the backyard yeah. exactly
0: and also sometimes when they're circling they're just catching thermal waves and yeah. like soaring so vultures can fly for really long times um i think up to seven hours for certain species with hardly flapping without like, flapping they're just yeah. soaring so it's also if you see them circling they could just be catching like a wind thermal yeah. and kind of Floating, for lack a better Which is like word.
1: a really cool skill that vultures have that I don't think a lot of people realize. Like Next time you're out and you see a vulture overhead, watch how seldomly it flaps. It is amazing it that the is. birds can stay adrift and stay up high that long without flapping their wings. They're, it's amazing adaptation.
0: Definitely. So there's one, I don't know if people even know this, but if people did know this, this would probably make them not think vultures are as beautiful or clean. But I think it's a really cool fact that kind of has to go along with what we've been talking about which is vultures will actually urinate on their legs and feet, but it also helps to kill bacteria or parasites and keep them healthy and cleaner. So Okay. It sounds dirtier but also like helps keep them clean.
1: Yeah, I'm wet. sure I'm sure the urine is very acidic and it will kill things off on their anything that is growing on their legs or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I would I could see if you didn't know any better, you might think that's a little nasty, but I think that's pretty common of a lot of birds honestly not just vultures yeah. right. yes
0: and then also you know if they feel threatened some of them will you know vomit these very mm-hmm. strong very strong these very <laughs> strong stomach acids um which acts as a deterrent with predators but also kind of lightens the lo- load so they can escape you know they're faster. a little more maneuverable yes. yeah uh, take off and flight easier so um I didn't say that very well, but <laughs> I probably am not helping. I shouldn't have even told these facts now. They're but, a little bit gross.
1: They're, but they're nature's cleanup crew. Like yeah. there's there's a region that they're a little bit gross. They're doing something that's gross by eating these dead animals. And we should, like you said, we should thank them for their job and their service because I wouldn't want to be the one that's doing that. So <laughs> I'm glad that the vultures are here to do it for us and stop the spread of disease and everything like that. Yes. I know? just think
0: it's cool. They have these different adaptations to help them. Yeah. So we mentioned um, that there are, well, there's 23 different vulture species in total, but here at the zoo, there are a handful. We have two of them here in the African department. We mentioned the lappet-faced vultures and the Rupal's griffin vultures, um, so there are also old world and new world vultures, um, both the Rubble's Griffin vulture and Lapa face are old world vultures, uh, found in Africa.
1: And that terminology kind of comes from where they're found in the world, right? Like yes. The old world are going to be found in Africa and Asia, whereas the new world vultures are going to be in North and South America.
0: Yeah. And uh, there's so many different kinds that we can't talk about all of them. And we were focusing on the ones that we actually care for, but I did want to say that I think turkey vultures are the only vultures that are actually using a sense of smell to yes. find their prey. As
1: far as I know, yeah, they just cariana. turkey vultures, yeah.
0: Um, so typically vultures are going to use really, really keen eyesight to find something dead on the side of the road or over the savanna, um, on the savanna while they're flying over it, um, that sort of thing. But the turkey vultures here in the United States can use a sense of smell.
1: Which is really unique, and that, that's a really cool adaptation that they have. Yeah. Yes,
0: definitely. Um, but I guess we'll start talking about our RuPaul's Griffin vultures first. Um, unfortunately, Rupo's Griffin vultures are critically endangered. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two of them here Bubba, who is my favorite. Um, my favorite bird out in the African summer.
1: Bubba's your boy, yeah. Yes. Bubba's your boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is 10 years old and he's 16 and a half pounds, which is pretty average. Um, they're usually between 15 and 20 pounds, but I think 20 would be a
1: really that'd big. That'd be a big, vulture. yeah. That'd be Maybe a big female. Vulture, I don't know yeah. if the,
0: we have never had a female vulture here. I
1: feel like with most vultures, the females are typically a little larger than the males. So maybe yeah. they
0: would be the ones closer to that 20-pound range yeah. that you'll read about. Um, but they're found in the Sahel? I think I'm saying that right. Region. Uh, the area between Sahara in the north and the Sudanian savannah to the south. Um, and also, like, East Africa. So think Kenya, Tanzania, um, Mozambique, South Africa. You can find them there. But they are critically endangered. Um, I believe there's about 22,000 of them left, and unfortunately the reasons that they are endangered um, almost have nothing to do with them, like it's not their fault. Mm. Um, People aren't actually hunting um, the Rupal's vultures, they're actually dying from, um, sometimes poachers are poisoning a kill, so say they kill an elephant for its tusks, Uh, they'll actually Include poison in that. um, And so when the vultures come to eat, the vultures will die pretty quickly. And they do not draw the attention of rangers or people who would notice this. So the vultures are up and flying around or moving around these dead carcasses. They're going to be seen a lot more than a bunch of dead vultures on the ground. Mm. So um, it gives poachers a little bit more time to leave the scene of the crime. If they poison this carcass afterwards... Um, and then also, sometimes um, farmers will you know want to protect their livestock and they're living by um, killing any predators they see on their land that might attack their their livestock so sometimes predators like lions, um, hyenas, uh, painted dogs are are poisoned, and then the vultures yeah. come to eat those carcasses, and they in turn are poisoned also. Yeah.
1: I'm like the, the farmers are going after the, the lions and the painted dog, whatever it is, and the vultures are just a consequence of that. Yeah. Exactly,
0: yeah. So um, poison is one of the biggest threats. And then, unfortunately, um, they're also having issues with power line collisions and mm-hmm. being electrocuted. Um, sometimes they'll try and land on a power line that isn't properly insulated um, or crash into it. And even some wind farms, unfortunately, um, you know, flying into the blades of those giant windmills. So, um, those are a lot of the reasons that they're endangered. Of course, habitat loss, um, always plays a role in animals becoming endangered. Um, but they can live about 40 to 50 years and, um, they typically have about an eight foot wingspan. So it's much larger than you would think they would have. Like I wonder what my arm span is
1: um probably about i feel like it's usually about your height right it's supposed uh, to be about your height
0: okay yeah it's hard to imagine these tiny little birds that are like 16 pounds with an eight foot, eight foot wingspan, but they have beautiful yeah. long wings and my favorite thing about rupal's griffin vultures is they're the highest flying bird ever recorded um at about 36 to 37 thousand feet and I believe it's because they were actually seen flying next to an airplane. Insane. Or maybe they even had an accident with an airplane and it got... I think that might have been it. it. Either way, it's like scientifically proven that they were up past 36,000 feet. Which, of course, we would need press, pressurized oxygen and yeah. all of these things. Um, but what I've read is that they actually um, like have a unique hemoglobin in their blood. So it's an altered protein um, that allows them to fly efficiently despite the lower air pressure and oh, lack of or less oxygen. Um, so they have like a really special adaptation in their blood and some protein that allows them to fly so high. That is
1: incredible. Just yes. imagine when you're at soaring altitude in a plane next time you're on a plane and think that. A Rupal's Griffin vulture could be flying that high next to you if you were in the right space. Yes. (sighs) And, of course,
0: they are mostly soaring, so they're not flapping a ton. But I also read that they can soar about seven hours, or sometimes they'll fly around for seven hours a day just in search of food. And the ones that don't, the younger ones that don't have a nest yet or aren't, like, having babies will fly longer because they don't really, they aren't, like, tied back to something. Mm. Um, But... On that note, these guys are monogamous, so they typically have one partner. As long as they're both living, they'll stay with the same partner. And they nest on, um, like, rocky cliffs in large groups. So the the ripples, gripping vultures are really social, which I think is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll see them in large groups. They're pretty gregarious. Um, You know, we brought... I mentioned Bubba. Did I mention Nino yet?
1: Not yet. No, I didn't. We'll get to him. I got caught up.
0: Um, But Nino is our 26-year-old male, and he's 15 and a half pounds. Um, But we brought him in to be a friend for Bubba, and these two are adorable. They love to build nests. They're two
1: peas in a pod, man. (laughs) You
0: can tell that they like. It's it's nice having a friend for Bubba. Um, he would hang out with the lappet-faced vultures, but he definitely seems to tend towards Nino more.
1: Yeah, ever since Nino came, those two I feel like have been really paired up. Whereas before, Bubble would kind of reluctantly hang out with the lappet-faced vultures, but I think he's really enjoyed having a companion. Yeah,
0: definitely. And so they've recently started, or not recently, but they have a nesting season. So this year, it recently started like moving sticks to this rocky area on our savanna, which is probably the closest to cliffs that (laughs) they're going to get in our savanna. And, um, they'll pick little sticks and move them around and push them and push the dirt. And it's just adorable. Um,
1: they... And for us, I feel like it just so happens to be right below one of our viewing areas. So I've had a lot of guests the last couple of months ask me, what are those two birds doing Dad? They keep pressing on the ground. And I'm like, well, they're picking up sticks. They're moving them around. They're building a the nest down there. But
0: For the eggs, they'll never have. Oh, no. But it's oh, okay. No. It's so really cute to see. <laughs> but now we have two males. So there won't be any eggs. Um, but I just think they're a really cool species. And I know I've talked a lot about Bubba. He's just a really fun Bird. He has a lot of personality quirks, which they all do, but, like, Bubba, um, like, one of my favorite memories of him is he loves enrichment and, like, exploring things and checking things out, so you can bring out, like, a colorful bucket and he'll come over and just, like, tap his beak on it or, um, like, look for... Uh, if we have any fish juice after we fed our pelicans, we'll give them the fish juice and he comes over to check it Whap out it right up, yeah. yeah. Um, but we also give them paper mache so they can tear things apart like they would a carcass. And so one time he had a paper mache that was made over a balloon. So imagine the shape of a balloon and he instead of ripping it up first, he stuck his head in the hole and like poked his head through the top so when he lifted his neck up, He was wearing this paper mache, and it looked like he was an astronaut, because his beak was sticking out on one part, but he had it, like, perfectly, like, the collar around his neck, and the top was still intact, like, on his head, and I thought I was going to have to help him get it off, but he got it off on his own, but he was pretty much blind, so he was just, like... You know, beak sticking out of one end, and it looked like he was wearing a little helmet or something That's hilarious. But, um, he also has the cutest sneeze ever. He does, yeah. Um, he has yeah. a really cute sneeze. He's very vocal. Um, they're actually, like, pretty quiet in general, animals, unless you have them near food or a carcass.
1: It, um, then it can get noisy, yeah. Yes. If
0: you ever have the experience, the chance to go to Africa and see, like, a group of vultures, which I think when they're surrounding a carcass, a group of vultures is called a wake, which... I- i've heard that one yeah. probably doesn't help their, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their cause either um but it was like the loudest thing i've ever experienced like that i wasn't expecting like all the hisses the and hissing, the and yeah the, the grunts like,
1: it's al- it's also like the ruples especially they almost do this like really low roar it's not a roar obviously the way you would think of like a lion or anything like that but like it's almost this roaring hissing sound i don't know like It's menacing. Like, if I didn't know any better, it would would scare me off a carcass.
0: (laughs) And I think because they're one of the smaller ones with the smaller beaks, like, they're the ones that come in after, like, the bigger vultures have kind of opened up the carcasses and they have to fight their way in. So it can be really, like, they can be really aggressive, all the vultures around Mm -hmm. the carcass just fighting for their chance at the food. Um, but I wonder if that's why they're louder. Like they have to oh, scare makes off, sense. you know, yeah. they're the smaller guys, so they have to have a lot louder. That would more. definitely <laughs> make sense.
1: And I do feel like that's another thing we didn't really touch on. When we were talking about the stigmas with vultures, but one of the things you'll kind of hear people say is like, they can be aggressive and vultures that that's a fact, like vultures can be aggressive, but that's what makes them a good vulture in the wild, right? There can be a lot of competition at these carcasses, you know, it's one, uh, dead wildebeest zebra whatever it may be on the savannah and there's a lot of competition from it could be a hundred birds competing over this one carcass so they do have to be kind of aggressive and earn their place and get in on the carcass before it's gone right yeah. and that's
0: just amongst themselves out of yeah feeding. it's not exactly. like they're aggressive yeah. in the sense that they like want to go after something that walks by them or yeah you know is flying under or they're not going they're after humans
1: over. or anything like right. that yeah they're just going after each other because they want the food over each other, right. yeah.
0: And they never actually even hurt each other. They're just, like, siblings squabbling. Yeah, and siblings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, I
1: love that you brought that up about Bubba with his enrichment, though, because I always felt like with Bubba, he's just such an intelligent, smart bird that we need to try and come up with all the ways we can to occupy him because yes. i think like when he gets bored he starts to get into some trouble oh, yes. He'll find <laughs> that's what he picks at a, a <laughs> drinker or a, he's found like out in the savannah habitat he's found like the irrigation lines underneath the ground that he's like been able to dig up under the mulch and i'm like if he's bored out there he's gonna get into some yep. trouble so we need to keep some ways to occupy him yes
0: definitely in the winter it's fun we hang like um, you know, goat fur skins for him to reach up and, and like pull down and tear apart. Yeah. And they love paper braids. So we have yes. volunteers helping us out a lot doing paper braids. Um just like three strips of butcher paper and we braid it together tightly, um, hiding their food in like boxes, that sort of thing. But oddly enough they're kind of scared of more than you would think.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so- our our birds here are spoiled as can be. They've never had to actually feed from a carcass in their life. They're <laughs> They are fed very well. So the first couple times we tried to do a carcass feeding with them, they were actually scared of the carcass, which was like the most mind-blowing thing to me ever. I was like, your instinct should kick in, right? But... Not for ours, they were like, ah, oh, where's where's the ground meat? Give me the ground meat yeah, <laughs> like
0: They do love bones though, and they get whole yes. rabbits here. They get rats, uh, they get chunks of goat, they get oxtail,
1: oxtails, necks, knuckles, all different kinds of bones. yeah, they really enjoy the bones and tearing the tearing the flesh off the bones. but
0: and we recently had another vulture join us, which Mark will talk about in a minute, but he loves carcass feeding. so he's recently shown. Bubba, Nino, yes. and Ishtar the Way. And they did successfully eat a carcass Which is really day. fun we to watch. We gave them, like, yeah. half of a goat. Um, and it was so cool. We're like, yay, you're real vultures now. <laughs> <laughs> Which we've offered to them several times before. And they just were like, I don't know what that is. Please prepare my meal for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. They're finally initiated. Do you feel like there's a specific food item or enrichment item that's Bubba and Nino's favorite?
0: Oh, gosh. Anything in
1: particular that sticks out in your mind?
0: Um, well, I feel like Bubba really does like the buckets and fish juice, of course. Yeah, he loves those. Um, Coming over, I'm trying to think. I haven't done anything, like, super novel or new for me, at least recently. What do you think?
1: I feel like as far as food item goes for the two ruples vultures, I feel like they both love the rats.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: they really enjoy those rats. They will guard those for sure and gobble them right up.
0: Which is I've seen them swallow them whole sometimes too, which is incredible. Especially yeah. I think crash does that sometimes Yeah. Uh, or the most often, but because of, we mentioned they're like really strong stomach acid, any of the bones or things that they actually can't, uh, breakup or the extra fur that they're consuming um they will spit up in pellets like mm. an owl for example you might be familiar with um so while they do have really strong stomach acids there are some things they can't digest but they're really tough in the sense that then they just like make it into a pellet and spit it out
1: yeah they'll just regurgitate the pellet and they're good to go yeah yes. the fur like you said there's a lot of fur and bone bits in there but yeah yeah but they
0: can't swallow a rat hole yeah
1: it's impressive to see honestly <laughs>
0: But yeah, no, they're so fun to, to um, enrich and do things with, and they're pretty good with training, um, which can be tough because vultures, like, eat, like we just mentioned, they'll swallow something whole. They eat really fast, so it can be hard to, like, reward them because yeah. you only have so much food to give them. Um, but these guys, they're just really cool birds. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: They're one of my favorites. They're a lot of fun. I love them. Yeah. But then we do have our two Lapid-Faced Vultures as well. So our Lapid-Faced Vultures, they're going to be the larger vultures you see out on the savannah. They're like a dark brown, almost blackish in color. And they've got those large pink bald heads that we were kind of mentioning earlier. Like the Rupal's Vultures, they've kind of got those little bitty white hairs, almost like a grayish head. But the Lapid-Faced Vultures, they're going to have those large bald red heads, which I know people say they're ugly, but I completely disagree. I think it's really pretty, like, especially when you can see them close up and you can really get a good look at their coloration. They're stunning.
0: Yes, definitely. I mean, their head's, like... It's a sometimes it even has, like, a, a blue color, and, like, I don't know, they're just really pretty. Yeah, You might kinda, not be able to see it from far away. But.
1: Yeah, I like think it, it changes depends on, like, the time of year, the season, breeding season, non-breeding season, that kind of stuff. And then, like, I noticed it changes in color with the heat as well. They use it as a way to kind of, like, disperse heat, because they've yes. got a lot of blood vessels and everything flowing through there. So it gets a little bit darker red during the summertime when we have a hot day, and they're kind of getting rid of some of that heat. But... Um, The lapid-faced vultures, so they're going to be found throughout a huge stretch of Africa, all the way from uh, the Sahara down to South Africa, to the tip of South Africa, basically. They've got a large range in the wild, and they're going to inhabit any areas that basically aren't forested. So they just need an open savanna, like lightly forested area, just so that they're able to, like you had mentioned earlier, like the turkey vultures will scavenge based off scent, well these guys, almost the old world vultures, they're going to scavenge based off sight. So they just need to be able to see the land and get a lay of the land to find a carcass. Um, so as long as it's not too densely forested, they're going to be inhabiting that space. Um, they are considered endangered, so we're just just looking it up a little while ago, and their numbers are somewhere around 8,000 to 9,000 in the wild, which... It's pretty discouraging, that's not many birds out there at all, and they face um, a lot of the same issues, but some different issues as well as the Rupal's vultures. A lot of human-wildlife conflict that you had mentioned, you know, poisoning of carcasses, electrical lines... um, birds eating roadkill on the side of the road and then the vultures get hit by a car because they're feeding on roadkill, all that kind of stuff, unfortunately. Um, But they're also facing a lot of um, issues with their nesting habitat. So they're they're tree nesters. They need these nice, large acacia trees to nest. And as they suffer habitat loss, there's fewer and fewer spaces for them to nest. Um, Unlike the the Rupal's vultures, where the Rupal's vultures are, like you mentioned, those colonial nesters where they'll live in these large groups, um, the Lapid-faced vultures tend to just pair up. So they'll just be two of them as a pair in their nest in a, an acacia tree in the savannah habitat, for instance. But as those trees become fewer and fewer, and as they lose habitat, there's fewer uh, places for them to nest. And then when there is a place to nest, it becomes a big competition. So, yeah, it's, it's like one tree for a nest becomes a competition between six vultures to see who can get the tree. You know what I mean? So um, they have faced a lot of issues like that, too, unfortunately, like you mentioned. Habitat loss for most animals right now is going to be probably your biggest, biggest issue. But here at the zoo, though, we do have two lappet-faced vultures. We have Ishtar, who I probably have already in this podcast or will continue to just call him Ish. I just love (laughs) him to refer to him as Ish instead of Ishtar. But Ishtar is 10 years old. He's been at our zoo since our Savannah Habitat opened. So he's been out in our zoo since 2014. Um, He came to us from Dallas. And then we also have Crash. Crash is the newcomer in our savannah. Crash has only been here since January. Um, and Crash is a 21-year-old vulture. So we had, prior to Crash, we had Ishtar and Ogra. Ogre had been in our zoo for a long time, but she was actually got sent uh, based on an SSP. We've talked a lot about the SSPs on previous episodes of this podcast so I won't dig too deep into it, um, but an SSP recommendation had recommended that Ogre go elsewhere to breed. So Ogre got sent out, and we got Ishtar in. Like I mentioned, the Lappets tend to do really well in pairs. They pair up. So we figured a companion for Ishtar would be nice. Um, so we brought Crash here. He's still, I will say, he's still adjusting a little bit, but overall, he's done really well in his first year out in our habitat. Um, our habitat's just a little bit tricky because we we fluctuate a lot seasonally, right? Mm-hmm. Like these vultures are all going to be from africa where it tends to be a lot warmer throughout the year as much as i might like cincinnati to be 70 degrees in the middle of winter (laughs) it's not 70 degrees here in the middle of winter so during the winter time they need to come inside into our warm barn as temperatures allow Um, but they spend all summer out on the savannah which crash did really well really well out in the savannah in summer you already mentioned it, but my favorite story of Crash all summer was him teaching our other vultures <laughs> how to carcass feed. It was, like, really cool and really rewarding. You could see when we put that, that goat carcass out, that half carcass, Crash was the only one that was brave enough to come right up to it. And then the others, just from afar, the others watched him for a little while and was like, what is he doing over there? Like,
0: <laughs> I think you mentioned that they are intelligent birds. And so he is more of, like, a vulture vulture. You know how they're, like... I'm not going to say it right in my head, but like some dogs are just more like people. They're just they're just like people dogs. <laughs> um, like Crash is more of a vulture where the others are like, more secure and like confident around us humans, yeah. but he is more secure as a vulture and knows what exactly. he's doing more and like does real vulture things and is less like friendly. But mm-hmm. that's because he's intelligent and you know, vultures wouldn't necessarily yeah. always hang out. He tends to, humans, to kind <laughs> of keep
1: a respectful distance from us, whereas the others, I think it also time is a little bit yes, an element too. More like, comfortable. I think over the next couple years, I'm sure he'll get more and more comfortable here, but um. Yeah, he tends to kind of keep to himself, and unless we really have something that's a high value item to him, he doesn't really care for us, or our interactions too much, he's just the vulture, he's more comfortable doing his own thing, um, hanging out with the others, whereas the others, anytime we go out in the savanna habitat with anything, they come right up to us, what do you got, what do you got, like, very curious birds, but it was really fun when we gave out that carcass, because the others were able, like you said, they were able to learn from him, like, they were able to watch him feed on the carcass, and realize, oh wait, that's a food source. I better get in on this. So the others slowly came around, and by the time we took that goat carcass out, it had been picked pretty I clean. I was so <laughs> sad I wasn't
0: here to see the final remains of that. So I, Because, like we mentioned, in the past, they've just been scared of them. I guess... I mean, they're not using sense of smell, Mm -hmm. and they aren't seeing these giant carcasses all of the time. Like, their meals are made for them, their size, right? Yeah. Like, because in the wild, of course, vultures are going to be opportunistic and eat when they can eat and fill themselves up. But here at the zoo, and, you know, a human managed population we want to make sure that they're getting aren't getting overfed we want to make sure that we're able to feed them most days they do have some fast days where they just get a bone and they eat like teeny little pieces of meat off of it and the marrow inside that they can get to but it allows us to get a better look at them also to build that relationship so Mm -hmm. that when we do need to help them in any way or give them their annual checkup like they come near us, and we're able to do that, whereas in the wild, they could just gorge themselves and eat when they need to next, Yeah. Uh, so their meals are a little bit different here because of that, but Crash knew that that was not something big and scary, it's just
1: food. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, which is really fun to watch Like as the others kind of, like I said, learned from him and then started going after it too, but they really had fun with that carcass. It took them, took them a minute for the other three, but... They eventually got over their fear thanks to Crash. But.
0: but we'll just keep doing it, and I feel like they'll all be all about carcasses by like next spring. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll
1: say the more opportunities they have to eat from it, um, the more and more comfortable they're going to get. But yeah, I mentioned so Ishtar's is ten, Crash is twenty-one. For these lappet-faced vultures, their lifespan is typically late 40s, early 50s. Um, In human care, they do tend to live a little bit longer than they do in the wild. In the wild, like we mentioned, they don't have to worry about competition for carcasses. Or here at the zoo, whereas in the wild, they have to worry about competition for carcasses. Here, like you said, they're going to have their daily diet prepped and ready for them. They're also going to receive amazing medical care as they do age, which unfortunately the vultures in the wild do not have that benefit as well so like most animals they're going to live a little bit longer in human care um than they might in the wild but the what i think is really interesting about the lappets is since they are one of the larger vulture species in africa they tend to be kind of the dominant ones at the carcass Mm -hmm. so when you do see a lot of vultures at a carcass the lappets they're so strong and so powerful Um, If you've ever seen ours, uh, like, photos close up on social media or anything, the lappets have these really huge talons and these really large, sharp beaks, so they're able to tear carcasses open, whereas some of the other smaller vulture species, they can't get into the carcass unless someone else opens it up for them. Right.
0: They need someone else to do the dirty work. Yeah,
1: so the lappets, they're one of those that does the dirty work. They really open the carcass up and really kind of start the feeding frenzy, um, which I always think is interesting. Like like I said, when you see them close up, they're really impressive.
0: And they all have a role, right? So the lapids help open it up, but the, like the rupels, they have really long necks and smaller heads mm-hmm. so they can get in further. So past the hide and eat more of like the inside food. So they're actually getting into places that the lappets wouldn't because their heads are larger and it just all helps with getting rid of this decaying carcass, right? So they each have Their role and you'll see different types of vultures like we mentioned uh there are 23 total and i think like probably around nine or so in africa so Mm. um there are a bunch of different ones you're going to see at these feedings um and like when i was in tanzania i saw marabou stork like everyone joins in that finds this carcass they all want to eat but they each have their own role yeah
1: no that's a great way to put it and each even within a carcass each kind of species has those things that they kind of key in on like some vultures are better at eating the guts others are better at eating the the tendons and muscles and fur and all that kind of stuff so the lappets i always think they're interesting because they kind of lead the charge and they kind of get to claim first dibs but something that's super interesting about the lappets that you had touched on earlier briefly is the lappets are actually one of the the very few vulture species that is known to eat live prey Wow,
0: which is wild. I can't imagine them hunting. Do they do I know. eat live crickets here? We give them for enrichment. They love
1: live crickets. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say that, but um, so the lappets they will eat live prey items. So you will see them hunt. It's not very common. Like the vast majority of their diet is still going to be scavenging on carrion, but they've been known to hunt um, small gazelle, baby impala, uh, like chicks, guinea fowl chicks rabbits all this kind of stuff and i mean these lapids are large birds like i said they're gonna weigh 15 to 20 pounds and their wingspan is going to be about eight and a half maybe nine feet they're even bigger than the rupels vultures so that would be an impressive sight to see a lapid faced vulture swoop down and grab something
0: right that's what like so like a baby impala or gazelle makes more sense to me because they're probably parked by their mother like Mm. a deer would park their fawn right but, like, hunting a rabbit...
1: Yeah, you've got to be quick for that. Yeah, yeah, and they just
0: don't seem like they're built for that. So, I would, I want to look up a video of that. Yeah,
1: and I, I imagine that's why it only makes a small percentage right. of their diet, right? The lit, live prey items aren't their first choice, and they probably only do it opportunistically if they see an opportunity arise. But it is really interesting that they, they're still able able and capable of doing that.
0: Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's something that you don't think of often with vultures, but that's the reason they're the only ones. Yeah. And then like another unique vulture that, um, as I was like reading up on all of this stuff, uh, you know, we have a lot of animals that we take care of. And uh, while I learned all of this at some point, sometimes we
1: need little refreshers. We've we've both (laughs) forgotten a lot of information that we've learned over the years. (laughs) I don't
0: remember all these natural histories, but I, do you know about the Egyptian vulture? What's really cool about them?
1: I know there, I know what they look like. I know their coloration is very unique. They're really pretty birds, but, but, Teach me. Talk to So
0: me. they actually um, are one of the very few bird species that are known to use tools. So they'll like go oh. off and look very, for a very specific rock. Usually they'll pick like a, like a smooth stone and they eat eggs, like ostrich eggs. So they'll carry the rock or fly it, carry it back to this nest of ostrich eggs that they find and like lift their head up and throw it, like drop it down no until the ostrich egg cracks. And then they have like this giant meal. But I thought it was really cool that they will, like, um, go find the perfect rock and then bring it back and use it as
1: a tool. That's incredible. Right,
0: especially since they can't, like, use hands or anything.
1: And that's a testament to how smart these birds right. are and how much they can learn. Like, I,
0: And ostrich eggs are really hard. Yeah. Like, they have to work pretty, pretty, probably really hard, I cannot talk to them, <laughs> to uh, crack these eggs. Because ostrich egg shells, I mean... I don't know, a couple millimeters thick. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, not like a fragile chicken egg.
1: egg. I mean, we've, we give our ostrich eggs as enrichment sometimes to our lions and our painted dogs. And I've seen our painted dogs, which are 75, 80 pound dogs. They really struggle sometimes to break an ostrich egg. Right. right? So the fact that this vulture is able to do it, that is very impressive. Like, Yes.
0: The Egyptian vultures are definitely highly intelligent. And they'll like use sticks together and roll wool and then they'll use that as a lining in their nests.
1: So. Oh, interesting.
0: Very cool birds, for that sure. That is awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's always fun to for us to kind of come up with, like, enrichment items, kind of oh, along yes. those lines. Yeah, which I always enjoy. You mentioned the, the lappets. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, they love the live crickets. Yes. Like, that's something they both have really taken to. So, my favorite enrichment item to them is to give them, like... We give them these small kind of cardboard boxes with live crickets in it. And then they need to tear apart the cardboard box like they might tear apart a carcass or something in the wild. So they're tearing apart the cardboard box. They get all these crickets, which the crickets scatter once the box opens. And then you'll see them trotting around outside (laughs) in the savannah or trotting around inside when they're in the barn catching all these crickets, which is really funny.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, but they all have these really special things. You know, the turkey vulture can smell. The lappets will actually hunt every once in a Mm -hmm. while. Egyptian vultures use tools. Uh, Rupel's vultures are the highest flying bird in the world. Like, so many incredible things. Yeah, I know. I hope people love them. Like I said, I don't think we have to do as much convincing for people, but I bet they don't know that they actually are doing so much good. Or not as many people know.
1: And I'm glad you brought up the Egyptian vulture, because if you're someone that thinks vultures are ugly... Go and Google a picture of an Egyptian vulture or a king These vulture. king vultures, too. Those are stunning animals. Mm-hmm. They are absolutely beautiful.
0: Yes, right? definitely. Um, yeah, the king vultures have like the almost like a rainbow face. It's like yeah. purple and orange and yellow and just really cool colors. Um, They're
1: all pretty. I know. I think so, too. (laughs) I think so, too. And even around here, I love our turkey vultures and our black vultures that Mm -hmm. you'll see around here. Yeah. Like, I think in our area, kind of this kind of like Ohio River Valley region, we have the two species. I think turkey vultures are a little more common than the black vultures are, but they're still pretty easy to tell apart, right? The turkey vultures are going to have the the pinkish-reddish heads, whereas the black vultures... They're not feathers on their head. They're bald as well, but they do have those like black, black heads. Skin, yeah, yeah, black skin on their heads.
0: Yeah. yeah, their heads are so much smaller than the vultures that we work with, I yeah. feel like, that ours are definitely cuter. I won't
1: I, won't I mean, try and argue I'm that. I am super biased, but I agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> but hopefully if you guys
0: come to the Cincinnati Zoo and watch the bird show, you can see uh, they have black vultures in that show, and you'll <clears throat> see a huge difference in like size and look from yeah. the African species,
1: but... Yeah, Boris over there at the bird show. He's, he's a lot of fun. He's a really cool bird. If you haven't seen the show, he exhibits some really cool behaviors in that.
0: Yes, that's one of my favorite things here at the zoo, too, is to see the bird show. It's oh. so good. We should have had them talk to us, too, about oh, Boris. We can
1: always do another vulture episode. That's like That true. would only make me really happy. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, overall, oh I think we've shared a lot of awesome vulture stuff. Um, I hope everyone knows that they're really important. Um, yeah. And they are struggling all over the world. There's been about a 90% decrease in vulture populations in the last three decades, I believe. Um, So they are facing a lot of struggles. Um, I don't know so much that turkey vultures and black vultures, thankfully, because I don't think they're being poisoned. And um, sadly, for other animals, there's a lot more roadkill Mm -hmm. these days. So there's a lot more food for the turkey vultures and black vultures. But um, overall, vultures in general are definitely struggling. yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't have anything else that you wanted to add.
1: I got nothing for vultures. I love our vultures. I hope people can come and see them here and get a good look at our vultures. Like I mentioned, uh, this episode's going to come out in late October, early November. So at that point, probably our vultures are going to be inside. We do face... These cincinnati weather during the winter season so our vultures come into our nice warm barn because they're an african species so they won't be visible to the public throughout the winter time but come spring they'll get back out on our savannah habitat and you'll be able to come and check them out check out the bird show um, and kind of see what different vulture species we have here but they're all really unique like we talked about they've all got really special adaptations and they're really pretty for sure
0: definitely um, you have trivia today?
1: I have trivia for you, I have Jenna. one
0: trivia question for you.
1: Okay. Do you, do you want to go first? Yeah, I want to go first. Okay, go ahead.
0: It's not that great, but I learned something today okay. that I definitely had never known before. Vultures are more closely related to what type of bird than any other bird of prey?
1: Than any other bird and of prey. And it just
0: fits for you.
1: It fits for me yeah. in particular? Yeah. You're giving me hints, and I don't even know it. Bird of prey. And it shocked prey. me. I feel like they've got really like visually they always reminded me of eagles. I would say eagles.
0: But it's not a bird of prey.
1: Oh, it's not a bird well, of prey. Well, I don't I... know
0: if I made that clear, but they're more closely related to blank than to any other bird of prey, which you would assume Oh, I'm sorry. Be... I'm so...
1: I thought you meant like they were more closely related to this bird of prey than any oh, other bird gotcha. of prey. Oh, gotcha. No. Okay. What bird are they then most this...
0: closely related to, I guess, is if, what I If
1: you think asked. it's fitting for me, then I'm probably going to say a stork. It is! <laughs> a stork!
0: <laughs> that does not seem right to me. No, I, mean,
1: I would I... never have guessed that. No. I would have thought surely they're closer related to eagles or hawks or something like definitely. that than a stork, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I don't know the science behind that, but I just. I mean, read you that. want to
1: talk about a pretty bird. Yeah. Our saddlebilled stork, Icky. I mean. We'll
0: have to do an uh, an gonna, episode on her. We're going to have to do an Icky episode one <laughs> <Mark's> time. <obsessed laughs> is icky. She's a great bird, but she's definitely Mark's uh, favorite, and I think you're her favorite as well. She'll, like, prance after you out on the savannah.
1: I mean, I like to think so, but I'm not going <laughs> to take credit for that. <laughs> Okay, you can do oh trivia for All me. Right, Jenna, this is a, a belated birthday present for you, this, oh, wow. this trivia. Um, I think I've got something that you're really going to enjoy here. <laughs> we mentioned scary. that this has been like our spooky season kind of string of episodes. Where we're talking about snakes and spiders and uh, vultures as we lead into Halloween time. You're a Halloween... Birthday's right before Halloween. Halloween's your favorite holiday of the year. So this is actually Halloween trivia. Oh, wow. It's not animal-related. It's not vulture-related. Vulture we just got wow, hol- Halloween. This is, is your birthday treat. present. Yeah. <laughs>
0: wow, I'm so excited.
1: So we've got <laughs> Halloween trivia. I'm curious to see what you know about this holiday. It's oh, all joking stuff, okay. but as per usual, it's trivia. <laughs> but first question, obviously when people think about Halloween, the first thing, at least for me personally, the first thing I think of is the candy.
0: I knew you were going to say that.
1: According to USA Today, what is the most popular Halloween candy in the United States? Reese's peanut butter cup. Reese's peanut butter cup, one for one. Let's (laughs) go. (laughs) Reese's peanut butter cup is the most popular candy in the U.S. for Halloween, followed by M&Ms in second, and Skittles are in third.
0: Okay, I would have said M&Ms or Starburst probably next if it weren't that. Oh, okay. You know, I like Reese's, but they're not my favorite.
1: What's your, I'll say, what's your favorite go-to? Like, when Lincoln goes out trick-or-treating this year, what what are you going to steal, what are you going to steal from his bucket?
0: Oh, I love a good Twix or a Butterfinger. Oh,
1: Twix is great.
0: Yeah. Um, peanut M&M's.
1: Specifically the peanut M&M's, not the regular ones. I mean, I like regular ones, but I'd probably
0: pick peanut M&M's.
1: Okay.
0: I don't know. I'm not a huge candy person, I won't lie. Those are probably my top three. That I can think of off
1: the top of my head. Yeah, Twix is a great one. Twix is up there for me. Snickers, too. Snickers. I love Snickers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not Reese's, though? I mean, I like, I'm like. i the same way. I like Reese's. I'm yeah. never going to say no to a Reese's cup. But I wouldn't, like, seek it out if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right, number two. Fun. One for one so far. Number two. This is, uh, I feel like, always a hot debate among Halloween time. The question isn't do you like candy corn, but it's candy corn related. <laughs> do you like candy corn, though? No. I I don't understand it's the like candy corn. It's like one those things
0: craze. where if it's in front of me, I'll pick up a piece and I'm like, no, why did I eat that? It wasn't good.
1: Yeah, I'm never gonna reach and grab a no. piece of candy corn. No, I don't really understand it. But people will ride or die yes. for candy corn. Yeah. Yes. For There's sure. always a fall topic. So, how much candy corn is produced in the U.S. each oh, year? Wow.
0: In like poundage?
1: It's in pounds. It's a lot. <laughs>
0: How much of it goes to the landfill? Are people buying it just for like a decoration? A decoration, is really cute? Throw it out. Um, I don't. You know I'm gonna do awful at this because I have to guess a number. Uh, three million pounds.
1: Three million is actually not a horrible guess, but you are low. Low? You're low. It's between twenty five and thirty million pounds produced every year. That was just
0: not a good corn. guess. That. But well, you, were,
1: you were in millions, <laughs> so you're at least in the right, like, territory, right? The, so much. That's a lot of candy corn. They estimate that it's about 9 billion pieces of candy corn. Wow. Why? Unnecessary. I don't know who eats it, like, right? honestly. Oh, okay. No disrespect to any listeners out there <laughs> that are munching away on candy corn. Like, to each their own, I'm glad that you're finding joy out of it. But it's just, candy corn's not for me, yeah.
0: Yeah, not my favorite. All
1: right, question number three. I think I could be wrong about this. I think you're a haunted house person, right? Mm-hmm. You enjoy going to yeah, haunted I houses. Yeah, I didn't
0: go to a single one this year. I'm so bummed. Oh, that's Anyways. tragic. But yes, I do love them.
1: That's tragic. You are a haunted house person though. But so where is the world's longest haunted house?
0: Oh. Um
1: longest World's longest haunted house. I'll give you a hint. It's in the US. Is
0: it New Orleans?
1: Not New Orleans. New Orleans isn't a bad guess though, because yeah, that's a spooky. It's pretty, ta- yeah. That's a spooky town, right? Like yeah. I feel like New Orleans for Halloween time has to be a lot of fun, but it's actually right here in Ohio. Oh no way! Which I would not have guessed. Yeah. So depending on which like metric you want to look at, I guess the longest. They're both in Ohio. The longest indoor haunted house. Is in Canton, Ohio. Okay. It's called the Factory of Terror. Hmm, never heard of it. Never been. I'm probably going to stay away. But (laughs) (laughs) then the largest uh, indoor-outdoor haunted house is also in Ohio, in Lewisburg, Ohio. It's called the Haunted Cave.
0: Oh, I've been there.
1: No way. Yeah,
0: I didn't know it was like the longest, but it's definitely the best one I've ever been to. Really? Yeah, it's in like a real cave, and it was really good. Yeah, my friends took me... Unless there's a different haunted cave... My friends took me there. I think it's like an hour and a half drive or so. Okay, Does that sounds right.
1: That sounds right. Yeah, Lewisburg. Um, yeah, it should be about. An yeah, hour and for half. my birthday yeah.
0: once, and it was so fun because I love to be scared. So they made me a hat that said, "It's my birthday, scare me," <laughs> <laughs> and, and like glow in the dark puffy paint. <laughs> that That's Kayla. incredible. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so incredible.
1: Fun. But the haunted cave, I'm, I'm like, I'm a little bit of a scared about that kind of stuff. So I'm. Probably not going to stray into the Haunted Cave or the Factory of Terror, but it's cool that the longest one's right here in yeah. Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect for me. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> all right. Last question I got for you here. I know for a fact you're a huge horror movie person. <laughs> you love scary movies. I feel like you've seen all of them, but.
0: Not the crazy, crazy horror. Just like scary thrillers. Scary, scary like, movies. Like Halloween uh, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So, what is, according to, like, the money it made in the box office, what is the most successful horror movie ever made? Oh.
0: Is it recent? Or is it, like, older?
1: What would you consider recent? The last ten years. Yes.
0: So, The Strangers?
1: It's not The Strangers.
0: Oh, man.
1: Do you want a hint or no?
0: Uh, yes.
1: It's a Stephen, it's about a Stephen King book.
0: Oh, is it Dr. Sleep?
1: Not Dr. Sleep
0: geez it's it oh duh it, yeah. that makes sense I don't know why that didn't come to mind that's like a really well done movie
1: it's I will say I'm not even like a scary movie person but it's just a good movie yes. in general yeah, like the I, acting I, actors I are really one, good yeah.
0: oh yeah I haven't, I haven't watched that this. I haven't watched that this season yet so. you still got a couple days <laughs> get day it in left. before Halloween <laughs> oh but, man yeah,
1: it, it made uh, 700 million dollars in the wow. box office the second most successful horror movie is a classic, Sixth Sense.
0: Oh. Oh, The Sixth Sense. Okay. Sixth Sense, yeah. That's like a psychological
1: thriller. Yeah, it's kind of spooky, though, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I just, like... It's um... about ghosts. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler
1: alert. <laughs> you haven't seen The Sixth Sense yet. The Spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> <gasps> yeah, I guess there's, like, so many different, like, scary versus horror versus... Yeah. Like, I don't know how they, like made that list do you know what i mean what they include
1: what's considered a horror movie yeah, yeah, yeah i know what definitely. you're saying yeah. oh
0: that was fun but, thanks
1: mark yeah i don't know a little halloween time i know what are you going to be for halloween do you have a, <sighs> I'm, an outfit picked like, up out?
0: really slacking on so much this year i've been so busy i do not have a costume this year Without last year i was a tree my son oh, was an that. owl yeah i remember that one and i like made this vow to myself that i was going to make his costumes as long as possible in this year, so I made it two years. <laughs> you made it two years. <laughs> I made it two costumes this third hey, year. Being a parent is tough. Uh, it is. There's a lot going on a right store now. Store bought Triceratops.
1: There's no shame no. in a store bought oh, Triceratops. Really I need to see some pics of it. Yeah. <laughs> just, I bet like, he's gonna be adorable. Fun to make
0: the costume, so I like wanted to do it, but it didn't happen this year. No haunted houses. Still need to watch a few scary movies, but
1: hey, you got a couple of days.
0: Yes. I mean. Um... I mean. Also, speaking of being a parent and behind on a lot of things, I do have a "What can I do?" But I'm going to read a lot of it. Okay. So I don't. I haven't like done tons of research on it yet, but it's new to Cincinnati.
1: Okay, teach me. What can I What can I do? What can I do to be a better steward of the earth, a better citizen? Talk to me.
0: Okay, so this is mostly for people who are in our more Cincinnati area. Okay. Um, Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. There are specific counties. If you're in Butler County, Claremont County, Hamilton, or Warren County in Ohio, Dearborn County in Indiana... Or Boone, Kenton, or Campbell County in Kentucky. This one's for you.
1: I'm glad they included the Kentucky folks in <laughs> that because you know, you know, I'm a Kentucky guy.
0: <laughs> it's specifically for Rumpke. So, um, and other cities might have this program happening or like going to happen. Um, but starting in November, Rumpke customers will be able to recycle hard to recycle items like full made cartons, packing peanuts, and plastic grocery bags. And a new orange. Specifically, Orange Hefty, and it's called Renew Bags. Um, Okay. So, I believe you purchase them, and then once the orange bag is full, you tie it up and you place it outside, um, or place it inside your Rumpke recycling bin that you already have, and they will send those orange bags to a specialized recycler um, and use those materials to create new and useful products. Oh, awesome. So, basically, right now, it's really difficult to recycle certain things. Yeah. And you always wonder, at least I do, is this supposed to go on the recycling? What will happen? Like, is this actually being mm-hmm. recycled? Um, even no matter how much research I do, I still question it. I'm like, what can I recycle this number five again? Um, but this new program will specifically be working towards like recycling, making it easier for people to recycle these hard to recycle things. Cause in the past you'd have to go to like a special, um, recycling center mm-hmm. or like, Kroger or Meyer, some places will recycle like the plastic bags, that sort of thing. Um, but Kroger stores will start selling Orange Hefty Renew bags in November. Um, they, the exact start selling date um, will vary by location. And um, they'll also be available online at Kroger.com. And they will come in boxes of 20 and cost between 10 and $12. And you can also have businesses order commercial sized bags from Rumpke. And so things that can go in these orange bags. Like in the past, chip bags have not been recyclable. Yeah. Now they are. So chip bags, dry mix bags for cereal, cake mix, um, that sort of thing. Candy wrappers, which will be perfect after Halloween. Perfect if you guys can start yeah. saving them until these orange bags come out in just a different bag you could. Granola wrappers, um, like the salad and cheese bags, you know, like shredded cheese. Oh, yeah. Um so many like things. Like the
1: pre-made salads, those kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I
0: throw all of that away yeah. currently. Um, and then like food storage bags, I, I believe they mean like Ziploc, um, and then like the plastic wraps that come on like paper towel rolls. Okay. And um, so yeah, there are plenty of things that can't go in there, um, and and you have to be careful like batteries or food and liquid from coffee grounds, that sort of thing cans and glass, but you would hopefully be putting those in your regular, in the regular recycling. Recycle, yeah. um, no, that's incredible, though. Yeah. I'm glad you
1: brought this one up because, I had, a I had no idea about this, and, B, I always want to try and find some way to recycle those, like, single-use plastics, right? Those exactly. single-use plastics are some of the things that are most harmful in the environment and that you see kind of accumulate in different spots in the environment. A lot, a lot of times they end up in the ocean, all over. So, like, the fact that we're able to find a place to recycle those in the tri-state area, that's amazing. And we don't like, have to go anywhere. Yeah. We just have to
0: buy the special bags, which is truly like a huge difference for yeah. someone who really cares. I still don't do the recycling mm-hmm. that I could because it's so much extra time and effort and I just don't have time to do that. But now I can buy all these bags and set them in my recycling can like I normally would. And it's like no extra. Um, but essentially they are, the he- it's called the Hefty Renew Program and it is available to 1 million households in the United States and already has helped divert over 2,500 tons of hard to recycle plastics from landfills. Um, So yeah, everyone in the area, or just in general, it sounds like it's already taking place in other parts of the country. Um, Check out Rumpke's website or Kroger to order your bags. You can visit heftyrenew.com to learn more about them. Um, But yeah, like I said... I'm reading you guys a lot of this because I don't actually know it and I haven't started it yet, but I saw it and I was like, this is the perfect, what can I do? That is perfect, yeah. um, I'm really excited about making recycling easier, less
1: landfill stuff. Yeah, that's amazing, yeah. That's all
0: I've got for you.
1: If you're in the tri-state, definitely check that out. I'm going to get in on that. I'm glad you mentioned this. I had no idea and I'm definitely going to get in on that. Yes, me too. Love to be a part of that, for sure. Awesome. And we should say, not necessarily like a... Uh, what can I do? But something that I did want to touch on earlier in the vultures, totally complete, completely missed it and forgot to mention it. But something that our zoo does for vultures, which is amazing, is support Volpro.
0: Oh, yes. Which,
1: yes, a lot of uh, the funds that we make from our hippo tours, Fiona, obviously she's world famous. She's done great things for our zoo, conservation around the world. Um for our hippo tours, part of the funds go to Volpro, which is a conservation organization specifically dedicated to saving vulture species. So that's something that our zoo contributes a lot of money to, and it's a fantastic organization that does a lot of great work. Yes,
0: you can get a ton of info there, and they are doing a ton of work saving vultures from being elect- when they are electrocuted but alive. Um, sometimes they can amputate their wings and save them, and they work on like a rehabilitation program, so they send them back into the wild, taking orphans, of course, all sorts of things. Um, but yeah, thanks to Fiona the hippos, we make so much money. We give half of it to hippo conservation, of course, but because we don't do vulture tours here, but we're so passionate about vultures in the Africa department, we're like, we could do half of this tour to money for vultures. So yeah. the zoo does um, back vulture conservation um, through our behind-the-scenes program, so...
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like like you said, or if you can come
0: to a hippo tour and you're helping out vultures. <laughs> come to a hippo tour. There you go. But
1: well, yeah, if you're interested in learning more information, Volpro has a fantastic website with a lot of good resources on it, and you can see the incredible work that they do. Yeah,
0: specifically for African species. Yeah. Volpro is, yeah. All right. End of spooky season.
1: End of spooky season. I'm sorry, Jenna. I know that you're you're about to go into, into a stage so of fast. depression now. It's I didn't
0: over. get to do all the things, Mark. <laughs>
1: We should have to double it next year. Right,
0: definitely. <laughs> well thanks for listening everyone. We hope you have a fantastic day.
1: Yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this session just as much as we did. Until next time, we'll be back soon.